And so after a couple weeks of uh, experimentation, I finally figured out a way to uh, actually get some meaningful work done. And this is now what led to you know me teaching this all over the world where uh, through Asian efficiency, I now help people become more productive. And we've been doing that since 2011 now. And so I've kind of developed like three things that everyone needs. So one is like a home setup. The second thing is a schedule. And then the third thing is execution. So if you can nail those three things, you'll be able to productively work from home. ADHD Rewired episode 318. This is the podcast for those of us with really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. I'm Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker by training and a coach by design. I'm your host and I have ADHD. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community. We are wired for connection and you are not alone. Go to ADHDrewired.com to learn how you can join us in our free secret Facebook group. Get additional resources for every episode, including links to any resources we mentioned on today's show. You can support us on Patreon, sign up for our email newsletter, you can request podcast postcards to distribute to your clients and support groups, and you can learn all about our intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups. You can do all of this at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Today's guest is Tan Pham. Tan is the founder of Asian Efficiency, where he helps people become more productive at work and in life. He's also the co-host of the top productivity podcast, The Productivity Show, where I was uh, not too long ago a guest on, and uh, it was a a fun episode. Um, So uh, Tan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Eric, for having me today. So I know that the, the thing that we wanted to talk about today, and I, I don't know if this was your idea before uh, the like the whole world was on lockdown because of COVID-19, but working from home. Yeah, most of us are now working from home and are stuck at home. And even if the pandemic is over at some point, some of us are going to be transitioning to working from home. And so I thought it'd be a great idea to kind of share a really simple framework that people can follow to be more productive working from home. Because if it's your first time working from home, you might be struggling to get anything meaningful done with having kids at home, or you just struggle with being in this environment where you normally relax and watch Netflix and not get anything done whatsoever. And so I thought it'd be fun to maybe share like a three-step framework that I can share with people to make sure that they stay productive during these times. Awesome. And it's really funny when we hear something on, on this show, like a, a three-step process, because that's very linear and our listeners are typically don't think very linearly. So I'm going to be the ADHD translator since uh, uh, Dan does not have ADHD, but he is so deep in the world of productivity that, uh, you know, I think that we we can all benefit and learn from uh, what I sometimes refer to as the muggles, um, the, the non-ADHD uh, uh, type, the non-magical uh, type. So, uh, <laughs> Dan, uh, where do you want to start this? Yeah. So when it comes to working from home, I've been doing this since 2009. And I've been doing this for like 11 years now. And I, when I first started working from home, and this was back in... Uh, when I was living in Los Angeles, I had an office job. I was the marketing manager and I was sitting in traffic for two or three hours a day. And, you know, when I first moved to LA, I, I, what a lot of people don't know, I grew up in the Netherlands for most of my life. And I moved to the States because I wanted to pursue the American dream. 
I wanted to be in the land of opportunities and entrepreneurship and freedom. And so when I first landed, I remember seeing the palm trees in Los Angeles, thinking that, you know, I finally made it. This, this is the place I've always wanted to be. And then I started going to college and I committed, you know, cardinal sin number one of any Asian kid. And that is dropping out of school <laughs> after three years. <laughs> and my parents were, you know, totally upset, you know, and... How long did it take uh, you for, to, for you to tell your parents... Oh, it took me a few months. Uh, you know, they were asking me how school was going. I said, "Oh, it's it's fine." And meanwhile, I was working at an office uh, doing my thing, and um, and so I started commuting every day from Pasadena to West Hollywood. And this commute was, even though it's only a few miles, uh, it took me about two hours, three hours a day every single day. And mm-hmm. I first thought. You know, I started off as an intern. I thought, oh, this is fine. You know, I have all the time in the world, very few responsibilities. I'm 20 years old. This is fine. But I got promoted to be the marketing manager within a few months of just working really hard. And also as someone got promoted. Uh, so I took over that role. And I started to now manage multiple people. I was now responsible for bringing in revenue. And now this daily commute became such a chore that uh, I felt like I was wasting two or three hours a day every single day of my life. And it wasn't until I went home one, one Thursday afternoon um, and I said, hey, I need to see my grandparents because they're, they're visiting and they're only here for one more day. Um, and so I hopped in the car. You know, As I got on the 101 freeway, I saw a sea of red lights of you know, cars and there was just a huge you know, traffic jam right there. And so I was sitting there for like three hours and not moving the car whatsoever. And so long story short, I, I never ended up seeing my grandparents oh, no. uh, that, that particular day. So I didn't see them for another year or so uh, because they live abroad. And so from that moment, I said, man, I need to start working from home or something because this traffic is just killing me. And I considered every single option, even you know switching jobs. But this was back in 2000. 2009 when the recession was hit. So there weren't a lot of opportunities. And also because I didn't finish school, you know, I didn't have a great resume whatsoever. And so I ended up, you know, digging up that article that I read that I read a few weeks earlier about people working from home and you know how they found themselves to be so much more productive. And so I, I begged my boss to say, hey, can I maybe work from home like one day out of the week? And he immediately shot down the idea. And I said, oh my gosh, like, what do I do now? But I wanted to really work from home and at least give it a try, give it a, uh, you know, a one month trial as an experiment to see if I could actually be more productive. Because this is also the time when I start studying productivity. And so every now and then I would just bring it up jokingly with my boss. And whenever we were having lunch, I would kind of bring it up. And eventually he caved in and he said, okay, Tan, I'm sick and tired of you talking about working from home. Let's give it a try one day out of the week for a month and see how things go. And so every Wednesday, I would go home or stay home and work from home. And uh, I struggled immensely getting anything meaningful done because it was so foreign to me. You know, I'm used to walking in, having a, you know, a cup of coffee, talking to my coworkers for a little bit just to warm myself up, talking about the news and stuff, sitting down in my cubicle. Uh, and then, you know, maybe an hour later, I would be ready to get some meaningful work done. And it wasn't like that when I started working from home. And so I was just waking up, you know, at a later time, finally sleeping in, wearing my pajamas the whole day, you know, just looking like a hot mess at home. 
and just waiting for inspiration and motivation to get any sort of work done or to get started even. And I found myself not getting anything meaningful done whatsoever. And I said, oh man, like if I want to be working from home, I need to get stuff done here. So I didn't get anything done that day. And that happened for the first couple of Wednesdays. So what ended up happening was I would catch up on the weekends to get some work done. So it was actually counterintuitive to actually work from home because I was now working more, catching up on weekends to make up for the work that I didn't do on Wednesday. And so after a couple weeks of uh, experimentation, I finally figured out a way to uh, actually get some meaningful work done. And this is now what led to you know, me teaching this all over the world where uh, through Asian efficiency, I now help people become more productive. And we've been doing that since 2011 now. And so I've kind of developed like three things that everyone needs. So one is like a home setup. The second thing is a schedule. And then the third thing is execution. So if you can nail those three things, you'll be able to productively work from home. What got, what originally got you interested in, because I, if I followed your timeline, you were getting interested in productivity um, at, which sparked your request to work from home, right? Yeah, this is back in 2008. Uh, so once I got promoted, I didn't know anything about productivity at that time. All I knew was just work really hard and then you'll get the results that you want. But once I got promoted, I was working hard already. I was already working you know, 50, 60 hours a week. And working harder was just not actually doing anything for me. I was still behind on work. My to-do list grew every single day. Anytime I finished something on my to-do list, you know, five new things popped up. Felt, I felt like this endless cycle. Mm-hmm. And so I was about to lose my job if I didn't you know, stay on top of things because we were losing revenue. We were losing clients. You know, this, was, this was also at a time when the recession was happening. So we could have been out of business within a few months if we didn't step up our game. And so that's when I started studying productivity. So that's when I started reading about getting things done by David Allen and stuff by Brian Tracy and stuff by Tony Robbins and all this other stuff. And some of it kind of worked for me, some of it didn't. So eventually I kind of figured out my own productivity system. And once I left that job uh, a year later or so, that's when I started traveling a little bit uh, and then eventually starting Asian efficiency to what it is today. And so now I'm sharing every single week on the podcast and on the blog, some of my ideas on productivity in in our own system as well. So these three things are the the uh, work setup, your schedule, and then the execution. Um, well, and and ADHD being a sort of a performance based disorder, like we know what to do, uh, but we don't always do what we know. Uh, let's first begin at the first uh, two steps um, with uh, the work setup. So talk about how somebody, uh, because everyone works a little bit differently, and everyone's environment is, you know, it, people are, are uniquely responsive to their environment. So not everyone is going to have the same, you know, response to the same environment. So how do you uh, um, guide people on their work setup? When I think about working from home, I think about the tools and equipment you need first and foremost to set yourself up to be productive at home, right? So imagine just going to a gym and saying, you know what, just by me being in the gym, I should Mm -hmm. be able to get you know, a really good workout in, right? Well, it doesn't really work that way because if you don't have any dumbbells or like a cardio machine or like a bike there, you can be in a gym, but that doesn't mean that you're actually working out, right? And then also, if you have a specific goal, you want to make sure you have the right equipment. So for example, if you want to put on muscle or want to put on size, you probably want to lift really heavy stuff, 
right? So you want to have like a barbell there or kettlebell or some dumbbells there. Uh, whereas if you want to lose weight, you want to lose body fat, then you probably want to do more cardio. You want to maybe get on a treadmill or get on a bike. And you want to make sure you have those tools in order to get to achieve the goals that you want. And it's the same thing working from home. If you don't have the right equipment or the right tools, it's so much more challenging to be productive. And if that is your thing right now, and you're struggling, you might be missing a few things. So a couple things that I suggest that people have at home, um, and this, this budget can be anywhere between like a few hundred dollars up to like a few thousand. Uh, but for most people, I would say for $500 or less, you can have a really nice home setup that consists of the following things. First is uh, I would consider a backdrop. So if you ever had a conference call with someone and you see them working you know, in a garage or something, you see a car pulling in or something that would just look really weird. Right. Um, and I, I actually know somebody who works at home in a garage, but you would never know because they have a beautiful backdrop that they put behind them. And so, uh, one of the first things I would, would consider for you is if you want to look professional on camera when you're having client meetings or you're just having conference calls with your coworkers, consider creating uh, a backdrop on something like Zoom. You can do that as we were recording this or have like an actual backdrop behind you that you can install. Really cheap for less than 20 bucks or so, you can have a beautiful backdrop there. And if you want to take it a step further, how cool would it be if we had a backdrop here that said ADHD rewired? behind you, right? So you have your company logo or podcast mm -hmm. logo or something behind you. I have one of those uh, uh, retractable green screens, uh, which is really cool. Um, I just haven't been using it uh, as of late, um, but I think it was like a hundred and maybe 20 or 30 bucks. And yeah, it, it, make, it can look really cool and you can look really sharp. Uh, you know, there's, especially with everyone now using Zoom and uh, people not realizing how to do video conferencing in a way that's not like you know, overstimulating to the, and assaulting to the, the sensory system. Um, just, or putting your back to a wall. Like, so, you know, you don't have stuff behind you. Um, so I think that's also a, uh, a good idea. The, the one thing I have seen people do, which I don't know what your thoughts about this are, they'll put like a sheet behind them, but like it's all wrinkled and you, so you can totally tell it's just like a bed sheet. Uh, have, have you seen that? I have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, I wouldn't go for that. Um, if you if you're gonna put a sheet on there, make make it something that's completely flat. So no bed sheets or anything or anything <laughs> that could wrinkle. I would avoid that as much as possible. And they also have those those pop up ones that like that you need. I mean, it's yeah. Have you have you seen these ones? And then they are literally impossible to get back in the original form. Yeah, yeah. And I, yep. I always go go to YouTube to to like watch a video how to do it, and they make it look so easy, and it's like maddening. It's and I also think I should I should just record myself attempting to put this thing back in the original shape because it's it is kind of funny because it's like you know it's like wrestling a bear, but the bear is laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, consider getting a backdrop, especially if your backdrop doesn't look as cool. Um, so that's one of the first things I would recommend for people. The second thing is a desk lamp. Oftentimes we might be in a situation where we don't have a lot of lighting. And so when we are doing video calls, which is very typical when you're working from home, you want to make sure that people can actually see your face. And yes. oftentimes if you're working late at night, um, not having any, f any light shining nearby uh, makes it very difficult to see you. So if you, do, if you do a lot of presentations or conference calls and video calls like that, uh, getting a desk lamp is 
absolutely important because being able to see each other is one of those things that allows you to build company culture and build a relationship with people. And if they can't see your face, it's just very difficult to do that. And as we are recording right now, the fact that you and I can see each other makes it so much more fun and entertaining to do this, right? Yes. Um, when you mentioned desk lamps, I, uh, um, I just wanted to point out. So it's always fun to do show and tell on a podcast. It doesn't always translate real well, but I'm going to attempt to describe, uh, uh, Tautronics makes a, uh, a desk lamp that the base of it is maybe, I don't know, the size of like an, the, the, maybe six or seven inches across. Um, and it has, you can, it's dimmable and you can also change the color temperature from like a bright white to a more of an orangish yellow. Um, and it, the top part kind of folds in so it can, you can kind of have two of these and have it angled like on each side of your computer so it doesn't take up a lot of, uh, of, um, space. And I think they're like 20 to 22 bucks on Amazon each. Yeah, that's perfect. Like that's right about the budget I would recommend for most people. Anywhere between fifteen to three dollars or so. Is and it's got need. a little USB thing in the back, so you can like you know plug in your your phone or something if you need to have an extra charging space. So yeah, it's a uh, lighting lighting does matter in, in video conference meetings. So what is the name of the model that you have? It's the uh, the Tautronics T A O T R O N I C S. Perfect. I love it. And I love that it's dimmable. You can just press a few buttons to to change it. That's great. Yeah, so that's one of those that I would recommend as well. And again, it doesn't have to cost more than $20 or so. So you're good there. Uh, another thing, the third thing I would recommend for most people is a standing desk. Mm. So if you're working from home, you're going to be sitting a lot anyway. So what better way to kind of address that by changing it up and having a standing desk. And most standing desks can convert where you are sitting down to also to standing up. And oftentimes people talk about how sitting is like the new smoking. We sit so much, it's bad for our back, bad for our health. Uh, so if we are working from home, we might as well address that by having a standing desk. And a budget for, budget for this would be somewhere between like $150 if you want to buy a used or refurbished one. Uh, up to like, let's say $450 or so. So out of everything that we're going to be discussing today, I would say this is probably the most expensive purchase. But if you're going to be sitting there for, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day, you might as well get in one that you really love that you absolutely adore because uh, that's one of my big philosophies is that if you're going to work from home, you might as well create paradise in your home as well, where you enjoy being and hanging out and, and getting stuff done. Uh, the, so you're at a standing desk right now? Yeah. Is yeah. It, so is this it, is my standing desk. Is it adjustable? It is adjustable. Yep. Is like, I've had it for seven years now. Oh, wow. So you're like ahead of the curve. You're, you like you were doing the standing desks before it was cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I, again, I was just sitting so much and I was doing a lot of research on it. And when I moved to Austin, I said, you know what? This is actually the perfect time to try it out because I used to have a standing desk at home uh, back when I was in Los Angeles, but it wasn't convertible. So I had like a regular desk and I would put books under them that I didn't read. So it became <laughs> a standing desk, but, but then I had to stand all day and it was kind of painful. So, so how I'm often glad your day do you adjust it then? So like you, you, go, you go between sitting and standing throughout the day. Yeah. So what I have found, and this is just a personal preference, yeah. is that I like to sit in the morning because I do most of my creative work sitting down. And then uh, this is anywhere between like 7 and 11. And then the rest of the day, I usually stand because okay. after 11, we have our daily team huddle. And then after that, I usually stand 
Uh, so hence why I'm recording this. And also I've discovered if I record podcasts while I'm standing, I'm much more energetic and focused and more animated as well because I can use my hand and use my feet and stuff. Better breath control so while you're me, standing as well. So it's good. for Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So it's just, I feel so much more energetic when I'm standing. Yeah, I almost, you know, I almost bought a change desk when I when I bought my uh, most most recent desk. Um, it, you know, it's looking for a desk that had everything that I wanted. I was like, it might be faster for me to just learn woodcraft and build my own, my own desk because I was going like, everywhere looking for, you know, I knew like the specs that I kind of wanted and and everything, and uh, I ended up not getting the same desk, and I. I have my moments where I regret it. Um, but I, you know, I actually have a, um, one of those like 10 drawer, uh, they're like the, the see-through drawer, like they're like plastic drawers that are on wheels. And sometimes if I want to stand out, I can put my laptop on it because the top part, so it's, it is actually kind of an ideal height. And those are like 50 bucks, I think. And so I have all my, just like miscellaneous stuff that I keep in my office. So it's not like all everywhere. Uh, so I will use that. So there is a lot of like creative ways that you can, um, uh, you know, get yourself standing uh, if you need to. Absolutely. And again, there's uh, multiple options there as well. So you can get like a typical desk, right? So again, that would range from anywhere between like 150 used and refurbished up to like $500. And then you have those, like, I think they're called like a very desk where you can put it on your existing desk and then plop it up so that it becomes a standing desk. And that I think is about $100 or less or so. Um, so that's another option as well if you don't want to buy a completely new desk. So now uh, on, on screen, I'm also seeing that you have a um, like a, a water tank, uh, um, like a filtered water tank thing behind you. Is that purposely yeah. placed? That is purposely placed there because I want it to be kind of like within arm's length. So I, I can literally grab water and I drink a lot of water every single day. I drink about two and a half liters of water every single day. And so having just w- bottled water at home or like a filter at home is not good enough for me because it doesn't pour enough water for me to really keep drinking. Uh, but that is not a requirement that I would make for most people. It's just very unique for my situation. Well, and I think especially with, for for uh, the ADHD group uh, that we're talking to, having the things that you want and need to use that you know, like, oh, it would be, it'd be great if I drink more water and make it easy as possible to drink more water by, you know, doing what, what, what Tan has is having uh, one of those big, uh, what is it? A five gallon, uh, Yep. So yeah, th- th- things like that are, are, you know, we think, oh, what a, what a luxury that is. Not, not really. It's just smart placement of something that you're going to be using anyways. Yeah. I'm drinking a lot already. And, um, and one of those jugs, just to put it in perspective, is uh, I think about $16 or so. Okay. Uh, so I got four of them. I, I basically finish one every single week, roughly. Wow. And, um, and then I use it for pretty much everything. Every, every time I'm making tea, just drinking water and stuff. And um, this machine that's there, I rent it. It's like $2 a month or something. Okay. Oh, it's not it's bad really, at all, actually. Yeah, really cheap. So it's really affordable and you get clean water, filtered water. It tastes great. And you, you drink a lot of water, which is good for our health anyway. Does that so, one have the hot water dispenser? It does too. Yeah. So you, yep. ma- you made it super easy. You went tea just right there. No, no getting distracted. Cause I think for, for uh, people with ADHD, you know, we're going to take the breaks. So we go to the kitchen to, to make the tea. And then the next thing we know, we are uh, organizing our spices in alphabetical order. And then we just spend the next three hours doing that while we were just meaning to, you know, go grab some tea. Um, so 
again, making the environment as conducive to help yourself stay in that, that space while you're, while you want to be in the space as possible. Um, do you keep like tea bags, uh, there at your desk? No, those are in my kitchen. So f- for so that, that's I do have to make an effort. Oh, I man. know I have to walk about <laughs> six feet, six feet to, to go there. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's, let's do this. Let's take a, a real quick break. When we, uh, when we come back, let's talk about, uh, schedules and then, uh, and then execution. So, uh, we will be right back. This is a new ad that you've never heard before, and this will probably only be on this particular episode. One of our alumni, Gail Polovy, who is a professional commercial space planner and office furniture um, specialist, I think. Um, I'm not sure that's her exact title. She reached out to me because she is a patron, and uh, one of the perks on Patreon is uh, sometimes I release episodes early, and this episode that you're listening to today was released a couple weeks ago on Patreon. And uh, she reached out to me because she was thinking, hey, you know, based on this episode, what I do might be really helpful for the ADHD community. So she wants to help you set up a better office environment in your home. So if you are using your dining room table or your bedroom or couch as your new office and you're just kind of struggling to get stuff done, Gail wants to help you. She is going to offer a one hour, no cost phone or Zoom consultation to help you work more efficiently, get their space in a way that's just going to work better for you and your focus. So you can schedule a call with her and there's no obligation at Calendly.com slash work from home help. That's Calendly dot com slash work from home help or you could send her an email at gail at professional dash spaces dot com and we will have a link in the show notes we are all confined in some way because of the COVID 19 pandemic but it doesn't mean we have to be alone Hopefully, you are reaching out and keeping in touch with family and friends. At ADHD Rewired, we have had a virtual community for years. People from all over the country are coming together for our coaching and accountability groups and staying together in our alumni membership community. Go to coachingrewired.com to see what our intensive coaching and accountability groups are all about. Then click on the big blue button to be added to our summer coaching group interest list. Our summer coaching and accountability groups are from July 13th through September 18th. You might be stuck inside, but you are not alone. Go to coachingrewired.com and click the big blue button to be added to our summer group interest list. Once you add your name, sometime in May, you will be the first to get a save the date email. Registration is by invitation only. Don't wait because our coaching groups fill up each season. So get your name on the list now. Go to coachingrewired.com to learn more and to get your name on the invitation list. That's coachingrewired.com. I would also like to invite all of our listeners to an open mic night on April 25th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 
Eastern. We're doing this on Zoom. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash events and register. If you play an instrument, would like to sing some karaoke, or maybe you're just a fan of music and want to come and join us, hang out virtually with other people like you who just want to enjoy some live music and have some fun. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash events to register, and uh, I'll hope to see you there. That's ADHDrewired.com slash events. All right, we are back with Tan Fam. And uh, last uh, first part of the episode, we were talking about setting up our space. We talked about uh, standing desks. We talked about lighting. We talked about a, a backdrop and water. Yeah, let's talk about schedules. You and I both know, as we were working oftentimes from home, that having a schedule is just so important. Because if you're somebody who's sold on the dream that you can wear pajamas all the time, work whenever you want to, and then whenever you feel motivated, you, you can get all this stuff done. Um, sometimes that will happen. But if you're somebody who wants to be consistently productive every single day, and you're a high achiever and you like to get stuff done, then you have to create a schedule for yourself. So in some shape or form, people who are working from home are a little bit more disciplined because of that. Because when you think about it, when you go to an office, the schedule is almost given to you. You show up at a certain time every single day, and then you leave around the same time every single day because your coworkers might be leaving or you just have a set time where you have to leave anyway. Right. When you are working from home, that schedule is not given to you oftentimes, especially if you're working for yourself and you have your own business. So it's really important that you create your own schedule where you have a starting time and an end time as well for yourself. Otherwise, you could be work you could be working all day. You could be starting at 6 a.m. in the morning and then end sometime at 10 o'clock and then never feel like you have some sort of personal life because you're just like always on all the time. So creating a schedule is for that reason, so important. And I usually recommend that you just start with creating your own schedule for one day and see how that works. And then if it's successful, then replicate that for the other days. And one of the easiest things you can do is to first think about when am I most energetic throughout the day? Because we kind of go through cycles. I don't know about you, Eric, but mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen this with myself and so many clients I've worked with. There's certain parts of the day when you are just more energetic and focused than other parts of the day. And so if you can align your schedule around that, where if you know, say, let's say between 10 and 12, you have the most energy and focus, then let's create a schedule around that so you get your really important stuff done between 10 and 12. And then maybe during the other parts of the day when you're less focused, let's say between 2 and 4, maybe you run errands, maybe you do meetings around that time or you take on calls or whatever. So think about how you can create your own schedule in that sense. Yeah, during that, that 2 to 4 window, it tends to be my... Um more of like three to four tends to be my, my window where I tend to have more of a, a lull. Um, you know, with, especially with ADHD, we, you know, so many, uh, adults with ADHD, um, they, they hear, you know, just create a schedule or, uh, you know, have you thought of making a list? And it's, you know, um, we, we have memes for those things. It's like, yeah, if that if it was just that easy. Um, and one of the things that I think is really important, I talk a lot about this in my coaching groups is that, your schedule, like you're the master, your schedule is there to serve you. So if 
you don't get to everything on your schedule, that does not mean that you failed. If you're behind like your your schedule, it doesn't mean you're you're failing. Just that just means you need to readjust to what is on your your calendar. And I think one of the most important things with with ADHD because there is there's I'm gonna tell you there's a lot of like emotional baggage related to scheduling and, and, and calendars with ADHD. Um, and so there's a lot of sort of shame that's uh, sort of interwoven with the idea of, you know, of, of scheduling because people say, Oh, I've, I've tried that. I tried that so many times. It, it never really works. Um, or people will say, Oh, I've done that. And it worked for like a week or two. And then it stopped working. And I say, well, the issue isn't that it stopped working. The issue is you got bored of whatever you were doing and you need just a little bit of novelty to, you know, bring it back to make it more interesting. Um, and when calendars you know, require a lot of experimentation, you know, for, for if you have ADHD, using a calendar is not an intuitive process. It is in some ways, it's almost like learning a foreign language, right? It's like, well, when do I put this on my calendar? Do I put on, do I put it on there when it's due? Do I put it like how, how detailed do I need to be? And these are all questions that people should ask themselves and answer them as a scientist, not in as you're looking for the right or wrong answer, right? Like what works for you is going to be what works for you. And it requires a lot of iteration and experimentation. Um, you know, I, I live by my calendar and, uh, I think it's important to mention that I was almost late for today's call because all morning, even though I have a, I have a Thursday morning call and I have a mastermind group that I'm a part of. So then I typically take that call from home and then I come into the office and, so I had that call. So I knew it was Thursday, but I was looking at my Friday calendar all morning and it didn't occur to me until about a half an hour before our meeting that, wait a minute, why am I looking at my Friday calendar? It's Thursday. And I realized, oh, I have to be at the office for, for, uh, this, this interview. And, you know, so I just, I say that for listeners. So to just so you know that I screw up my calendar too sometimes and it's okay. Um, you know, as people with ADHD, we are like our routines are so important, even though sometimes people kind of shudder with the idea of creating routines, even though it is so, so important. So now with most people, you know, be working from home or having to be home, all of the routines that we're used to are gone. Right. So experimenting with a calendar. Um, don't try to be that person who does, does the New York Times, you know, Sunday crossword puzzle and pen, you know, a calendar. If you, if you are using a paper calendar is that move it around, move stuff around on there. It's it, just because you put it on your calendar doesn't mean it's, you know, all it is, it's a document to hold information that you don't need to keep in your mind. And it's just organized by day and time. That's all it is. And if you have trouble sticking to a calendar, what I have found to be very effective as well is to then just think about setting really simple goals for yourself that might be very accomplishable that particular day. So a really low barrier for most people is to say, hey, you know what, let's just set one goal for today. And as long as I get this done, then it doesn't really matter how I fill in the work that day. So if that is you, then I would also just try this as a suggestion to set one goal every single day for yourself to accomplish that day. So how you, however you get it done, great. And that's the beautiful thing oftentimes when we work from home is that we can create our own flexible schedule of how we do things and how we get stuff done. So that's something else I would consider. 
And if you can creating that like an online schedule and share that with somebody. So there's a level of accountability where you are sharing, you know, here's, here's what I am planning on doing today. Um, or even taking a screenshot of your calendar and say, Hey, would, uh, uh would you check in with me, you know, halfway during the day just to, so I can give you a, a, an update on kind of how, how my day is going with, with what I planned on doing. Um, yeah, accountability, especially when you have ADHD, uh, from people, typically who also have ADHD is really helpful because there's, it creates a, a sort of a shame free space to, to, you know, accountability. The way I look at it is it's not someone that's going to make you do something like that's, that's kind of your mom. Um, and no, no one wants to be your mom. Um, you know, it's just to account for what you did or didn't do and to be able to talk through, like if something didn't happen the way you wanted it to, just to talk through what got in the way to help you problem solve. Um, so it's just having to account for what you did or didn't do. And if you didn't do it to do better next time. And if you did it really look at what led to or attributed to you getting that thing done. Um, so you can try to repeat that success. Yeah. And the other thing that you brought up there, which I think is so useful to know about, why you want to ideally create a schedule is that you can then coordinate with people, right? So whether it is accountability or if you have a partner to say, if he or she has a traditional job, that you can still grab lunch together because maybe he or she is off at 12 o'clock. And if you have a schedule for you to be free at 12 o'clock, you can have lunch together or have a phone call with each other or play with your kids or pick them up from school or whatever. Um, if you don't create a schedule, oftentimes, you know, outside world pressure and random emails and calls can then kind of like derail our focus and take up our time more than, than it should be. And so by creating these boundaries in place, which is essentially what a schedule allows us to do, makes it a little easier for you to focus and, and get stuff done. So definitely encourage everyone to create a schedule. Uh, but if that's not feasible for you, for whatever reason, then maybe setting one goal for every single day will be another way to, to tackle that. What kind of calendar do you use? So I'm a big fan of Google Calendar myself. Um, now, I'm mostly on the Mac ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So I use a Google Calendar that kind of syncs up with everything. So I have one for my work and one for my personal life. And then I use BusyCal on my desktop machine. as kind of like my calendar app. Okay. And then uh, Fantastical on my iPhone. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, so BusyCal, uh, think of it as a calendar app on steroids. So any calendar app that you have, BusyCal is like the power user version of any calendar app that I've seen. So you can do really advanced stuff with like it. What? So for example, um, most week views on most calendars is like seven days or six days ahead, uh -huh. right? With BusyCal, you can say, I want to look 12 days ahead. And uh, I find that really useful because then I can plan a little bit further ahead and I'm a big planner and I like to know like a little bit further ahead of time, like what's actually happened rather than seven days. I want to see like roughly 10 days yeah. what's happening. Uh, so that's something I find really useful. Um, something a lot of calendar apps now are picking up is like the weather or when there's a full moon. This used to be a feature that was only available in BusyCal. Now, I've been using this for like the last six years. So a lot of calendars are adding that feature now or have it now. But back in the day, that was the first calendar who had that. So I would know every single day what the weather was like before uh, before anybody else because you would have to otherwise use a separate you know app to kind of see what that was. And so it has a lot of those tiny features that makes it really more useful for power users. So if you are somebody and you're on the Mac and you are really a big like calendar user, I would highly encourage you to check out BusyCal. Tell me one more cool thing about it um, that, that might be interesting. The 12-day the 12, the 12 view is really intriguing to me. 
12 day view uh, multiple time zones it's really easy to switch so if you work with uh, a lot of people internationally yes. you can just have like a pull down menu and say hey i want to switch it to this time and then you can me- quickly match up different dates and different times uh, depending on who, who you're working with do so, we know offhand how easy. much this costs because i'm i'm uh you're talking about this and i'm like can i just put you on hold for a minute so i can go download that <laughs> down so i believe it's about 40 dollars or so okay anything is worth yep. it I absolutely think it's worth it. Yeah. All right. And and you're uh and, and you're not an affiliate. <laughs> no. No, not affiliated with them whatsoever, not invested in them. I've been just using them for the last six years and absolutely love it. Cool, cool. Um all right, then what was the one you said you use on your uh, uh mobile device? So I'm a, I find I use an app called Fantastical. Okay. So that's a popular one as well. Uh BusyGal has like a iPhone app as well. I'm not a big fan of that, to be honest, because I think Fantastical has the interface that I think is most enjoyable. The, their UI is just beautiful, easy to use, um, and it's really easy to navigate. So that's the one I recommend. And it's just really fast and smooth. Cool. So if you're, if you're somebody who uses the default calendar app on your phone, I would encourage you to check out Fantastical because it makes it a little easier to navigate and a lot quicker as well. It's easier to add stuff, edit stuff, and update stuff. Cool. So I use a combination on my computer of, of iCal and Google calendars, and they all talk uh, back and forth to each other. Uh, and on my phone, I use Calendars 5, and I've been using that for uh, many years. Nice. Yeah, that's a great app too. I know a lot of people like that one as well. Yeah, the you know the one thing I actually like about the native calendars app on uh, on iOS that I don't know when this became a feature, um, where you if you have the day view you can like pinch in and out and it will like uh, uh um, give you a more zoomed in scale of time, uh so like either you can see it broken down into like fifteen minute windows or you can break it uh pinch it in and see kind of the whole day, um so I thought that was kind of a cool feature that calendars five doesn't do does uh does BusyCal do that. Bizikill does not do that, uh, or fantastical. Okay. Neither. Okay. All right, cool. Um, all right. So those are the calendars. Um, now let me ask you this. Do you, what kind of to do system do you use? Personally, I'm a big fan of OmniFocus. Okay. So this is the to-do list app I've been using since 2011, I want to say. Okay. So it's been about nine years now. And, um, it used to be only for people who are really hardcore about getting things under GTD. Yeah. But over the years, they've become a lot more relaxed and now allow more functionality so that, you know, the, the typical user out there who just wants to create a simple to-do list can now use this app as well. Is it still as expensive as it used to be? It is still very <laughs> expensive. Yes. <laughs> so that's the thing that always scares most people is I believe the desktop app is either 60 or $80. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the iPad app um, back in the day was $40. And this is back in the day when everything was like 99 cents. Yeah. Right? They were the first one to introduce uh, their task management app and said, you know what? This is actually $40, guys. You guys have to pay for this. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I really like the app and it's really useful. And I guess I just have to use it and pay for it. <laughs> but it, it is really good. So if you're somebody who is really focused on getting stuff done and you want to make sure everything's in sync and you have a company behind it that's always updating the software as well and listens to their customers and takes their feedback and builds in the features. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons I've stayed with them for so long because they do listen to their customers and update it based on what's going on, what people want. Um, and that's why I like it. Cool. Um, so I, what I've been using as, I don't know, the last 
maybe two years uh, as Asana. Um, I use, I, I occasionally use Trello for a certain project because uh, I just wanted to see what it's like so I can tell people, you know, that use it and other features. Um, but when it comes to to-do lists, I think it's good to have a sort of a, a main sort of um, a place to put all the, your your small and bigger tasks and projects. But I think especially, especially for the ADHD brain who really needs novelty, you know, some days my to-do list is on a sticky note. Some days it's on my whiteboard. Uh, some days, you know, I'm working right from uh, Asana. Um, so it's, you know, people with ADHD often do the, uh, the app hop, you know, they're like, Oh, it's the app isn't working for me. It's like, it's not the app. Like we just need novelty. The app is working fine. Right. We're just bored of it. Um, uh, and I, I say this from experience. I've downloaded more productivity based apps and, you know, I would like to admit, I mean, hundreds. And when I, when I realize that, man, I keep having the same you know, pattern of, uh, I get like 80 to a hundred items on my to-do list and then I just get overwhelmed. So I want to just like start over thinking that it's like the app and I realize it is not the app. It's, uh, it's, you know, part of it's the way I write to-dos, you know, it's like when you put on your to-do list, doctor thinking that you're going to know exactly what that means next week. And then he comes up on your to-do list next week. You know, like I have no idea what this meant. So uh, I just want to encourage people to put more information than you think you would need on your, uh, on your to-do list. Uh, in our, in our uh, coaching groups, we do an exercise called the anatomy of to-do list where we really break down like all, like just basically imagine you could go through life with, with amnesia and you're going to forget everything that you think you're going to remember and capture it that way. Cause your, your future self will always thank you, uh, for doing that. Um, so whatever your to-do list is, you know, it's just, it's good to have a couple like directions for your day in front of you. I say writing your to-do list with, uh, without having it in front of you, your, your to-do list in your calendar without having it in front of you all day is kind of like setting ways, your GPS app, and then throwing it in the trunk when you're ready to, to get going. If it makes you feel any better, uh, somebody who is not diagnosed with ADHD, every now and then I'm overwhelmed by my own to-do list and all the lists better. that I have going on. Yes, it does. And sometimes <laughs> what I'll do too is I'll create a, a to-do list on my sticky note as well because it, the real estate on that thing is so tiny. Yes. And so it forces me to say, okay, I can only do one or two things today. Out of everything that's going on in my head, I just know that these two things are the most important. So I'm going to write that down. That is my to-do list for today. And so I, I do that sometimes too. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right, let's see this. Let's take one more uh, quick break. And then uh, when we come back, let's talk about the, uh, the, the part that so many of us struggle with. Actually doing the stuff that you put on your calendar and your to-do list, the execution. So we will be right back. Support for this podcast comes from our patrons. I appreciate all the patrons who help make this podcast possible with their monthly contributions. I want to thank Michael G for becoming a patron at the $25 a month level. I appreciate all of you who are listening and who can financially support this podcast. If you can't give financially, consider leaving me a rating on your podcast provider or share a podcast episode to your favorite social media group. All of your support is appreciated. For those of you who can give at a $25 a month level, you can join us for our monthly coaching calls. Our next group coaching call will be on Tuesday, April 28th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Consider giving at a $25 a month level. It's a great way to be a part of the community to get some coaching from me and support the podcast. 
To become a patron, go to ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. And thanks. You know what that sound is? Well, this week on Hacking Your ADHD, join Will Curb on his next episode, The Science of Fidgets. That was a fidget spinner. Remember those things? Check out Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb this week and every Monday. Join Will as he explores ways that you can work with your ADHD brain to do more of the things that you want to do. Subscribe to these short, mindful ways to hack your ADHD. Go to hackingyouradhd.com for show notes and to easily subscribe. And every Friday, check out ADHD Essentials with Brendan Mahan. Brendan's guests are parents, educators, and experts focused on children with ADHD. Go to ADHDessentials.com to learn more. Both Hacking Your ADHD and ADHD Essentials are both part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, available to everyone, everywhere you consume podcasts. Did you miss the last live Q&A on Facebook? Well, so did everyone else. There was a glitch in the streaming on the April Q&A, so we apologize for anyone who was trying to join the live event on Facebook. Our April Q&A will be on the podcast on May 12th, so you can check out what I describe as a very ADHD Q&A. Also, why don't you join me and the host of ADHD Essentials, Brenda Mahan, and the host of Hacking Your ADHD, Will Curb, every second Tuesday of the month at 10 30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern for an hour of live Q&A. When you are registered, you can ask your questions during the live Q&A. Register for free at ADHDrewired.com slash events. That's ADHDrewired.com slash events. Our next live Q&A is Tuesday, May 12th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Add it to your calendar. We hope to see you there. All right, we are back. Uh, so first part of the show, we were talking about setting up our workspace, uh, our our desks, water, lighting, backdrop. And then we were talking about calendars and our to-do lists. Now let's talk about how do we actually get shit done. Yeah, you can have a great desk at home. You can have a great app. But if you're not using any of those tools, then you're not really productive, right? <laughs> well, Dan, I bought the I bought the thousand dollar standing desk. I I got the advanced version of OmniFocus with uh, with BusyCal and Fantastical, and I'm still not getting shit done. What's what's happening? Yeah, it's like having a beautiful sports car in your garage, and it's filled up with gas, but you're not sitting in a car and driving it, right? It's it's just sitting there. So we want to make sure that you're actually driving that car. And that's what execution is all about, is actually doing the stuff that you're supposed to be doing. And when you're working from home, uh, especially if it's one of your first times doing it, it, it can feel a little bit strange. You might feel a little bit of out of your element because you're not used to this environment of being focused. And maybe you have kids at home or you have a full-time partner. Uh, and that makes it a little bit more challenging too. So I want to offer a few tips for people who are working from home for the first time to take into consideration all of the things that you can do to help you kind of like get focused and be more productive. And one of the first things that I want you to be aware of is the difference between working from home and working in the office, right? And there, there are a few differences. One is you don't have a commute, right? Normally, the average commute for most Americans is about 45 minutes a day. And so you got rid of that. So you have extra time now, which is great for you. 
right? The other thing is the dress code is going to be different. At the office, you have to present yourself in a certain way. You have to wear pants. Less so. You have to wear pants. Yeah. I actually, funny you say that because I saw recently uh, the Walmart CEO mentioned in an article recently that they saw sales of tops going up due to the whole pandemic, (laughs) but the sales of bottoms (laughs) didn't go up. That's really funny. <laughs> so that's always a work from home joke. Usually you, you get to see the top. So you, people only care about that, but then they'll wear, you know, shorts or boxers or nothing at the bottom even sometimes. Um, the other difference, you know, working from home is flexibility. You can create your own schedule, right? The downside is that you are not given a schedule. So you kind of figure, figure that out for yourself. And so when you start looking at all these different differences... Um, you want to start addressing those first because oftentimes when we go to an office, we kind of have a routine. We have all these triggers in place. We know that if we go on this commute as we're driving, we're kind of getting ourselves mentally ready for work. And when we're first working from home, we don't have these kind of triggers in place. We're kind of like that transition to say to ourselves, hey, you know what? I'm actually going to get stuff done right now. Because if we're just rolling out of bed and then trying to magically get stuff done, uh, it's, it's sometimes a lot more challenging. So what I want to offer as a suggestion for people is to think about what are some of those triggers that you have when you are going to the office that you can recreate working from home. So one of the easiest things I always recommend people do is that they actually dress up going to work even though they're working from home. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to wear a suit and tie, that you have to wear slacks and dress shoes or anything like that. But there's this psychological effect that when we start dressing up, when we start to wear stuff that we enjoy and that we think we look good in, we tend to be more productive. We tend to be more focused as well. And so I'm not saying, again, you don't have, you don't have to wear a suit you know, sitting behind your desk at home. But if you just wear some nice pair of jeans and like maybe a nice cute little top for women and for guys, like maybe a dress shirt instead of a t-shirt, it will will actually make a big difference in terms of how you see and perceive yourself. And you'll start to see that you actually be more productive that way. And I would encourage people to experiment, Uh, you know, because I think that for a lot of people that is very true, like dress the role you want to play. For other people, like I, I've actually, you know, I'm, I'm a, I dress pretty casually to begin with. Um, I've been dressing even more casually lately. Um, and I actually find that I'm more productive. So, um, and it's interesting. A couple of years ago, I switched from, uh, wearing like a, you know, typical kind of like brown work shoes, uh, to wearing gym shoes. Cause it, I, mentally I was like, I want to keep going. And so having just sneakers on, um, gave me that sort of, uh, it was just, you know, one of those little mental, uh, uh mentological, that is a new word, mentological, <laughs> a psychological or mental, uh, mentological. I should write that one down. Um, it's recorded on a podcast now. I may or may not ever listen to it again. Um, we need one tangent. I mean, we're like 45 minutes in and we needed at least one tangent for it to be an ADHD show. Um, now I forgot what I was talking about. Now I feel more at home. Yeah, you're going to wear sneakers <laughs> and you feel like that has a psychological effect for you to be more productive. And it's, I think that's just a good testament that whatever you wear, wear it with an intention. And yes, once you start yes. doing that, that's when you start to see that, okay, I'm actually making this transition now to from or from, hey, I'm at home. Just lounging around to, hey, I'm at home, but actually I'm about to start work. 
Right. So dressing yeah. up makes a big difference. Yes. And and for me too, because of, you know, we're, as I said, in the, I think the beginning of the, the episode, we're in the, the, the midst of this COVID-19 right now. So uh, my workout routine is disrupted. So I'm wearing clothing that allows me to, you know, just go out into the, the waiting room of my office where I'm the only one here and uh, I'm playing pickleball in the, like the, the waiting room of my office. Um, so I have like under my workout pants, I have gym shorts um, so I can do that and then cool off and I can put you know stuff back on when I after cool off because it's still cold in the Chicago area um so because that exercise for me um is one of the most important things I do to not just maintain my productivity and focus but really just to keep my sanity and both of those are really important to uh to get stuff done Another thing I want to suggest to people, especially if you find it challenging to focus or you get easily distracted, is two things. One is to block websites from from you to be able to access them. So you can use an app so, such as Freedom. So if you go to freedom.to, you'll be able to use an app both on your phone and on your computer to say, hey, don't allow me to go on Facebook between 8 a.m. and 3 o'clock. And then anytime you have that enabled, you go to facebook.com, it will basically say, hey, this website is blocked until three o'clock. All right. So, so what's, what's the workaround like, on that? <laughs> there's no workaround. It really? <laughs> you cannot do anything, honestly. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think I had the, uh, the, the founders of the mon- uh, my podcast years ago uh, when they were kind of first starting out. Yeah, there's a bunch of different apps, like one for the Mac specifically, it's called self-control. Okay. And that one doesn't allow you to do anything. Like you, even if you tried restarting your computer, uninstalling the app, it still won't allow you to do any of that. That's amazingly evil. Yes. So if that, if that's something that you need, then please go ahead and, (laughs) and give that a try. But also the other thing I would say is that if you think about the number one distraction that we have around us, it's our phones. Right. And one of one really simple habits and trick to make yourself more focused is to put your phone in either a different room or putting it into a drawer. And uh, just how we were talking about earlier, how you know our environment shapes us and the easier it is for us to do something, the the more likely we will do it and the more it shapes us. Well, this is like the opposite of that. Right. If we put our phones away, then it can't distract us. So that allows us to focus. And so the more friction we add to checking our phone, the easier it is for us to become more focused. Have you ever heard of, there's a, uh, a product I can get on Amazon called the Kitchen Safe Timer? Is that where you put your phone in a box and then you set a timer and then it won't the open until the timer? Yes, yes. So I often encourage people to get uh, two of them. One to put your devices and other things that you're trying to resist temptation from. And then another to put your hammers in. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. I've never I've never seen them in real life, but I've seen them on TV. Yeah, they're pretty sturdy. We, we have one uh, every year on Halloween time. We put them in there. So each day we get, it's like the, the daily three pieces of candy and then we put the lid back on and so we're not battling our, our, our willpower all day long. It's just like, all right, you know, I, I've set the intention that I am outsourcing the willpower to this device because I have none when it comes to this. I love that idea. So if that is something that you need and you know yourself best, then I'd say that's a great option as well. And it's something I should add to one of my teaching notes to, to share that with people, because I'm sure a lot of people would find that very useful as well. I used to use a, uh, a lamp timer on my Nintendo Wii 
Because I'd be like, yeah, just one more game. Just one more game. You know, as I repeat that for the next three hours. And so I would set the intention before I started. I was going to play for an hour and then it would just cut the power. Another uh, goal that I want to give out to people, and this is something I mentioned earlier, but this is worth repeating now, is to set one goal for yourself every single day. So when it comes to working from home, again, the blend between work and personal can be so... um, so in tune that sometimes it's really easy to forget that you're working and then you're just like doing personal stuff, you're running errands, you're doing all this other stuff and you tend to forget that you actually have to get work done as well. And so if you find it really challenging to deal with that, um, one way to address that is by setting one goal for yourself every single day. So maybe it's, hey, I'm going to record this podcast today or I'm going to do something like really simple, like write a chapter or something like that. And what you'll notice is that once you set one goal for yourself, and you hit that consistently, you start to see that as a way to get yourself started and give yourself momentum to do all the other things you need to do as well. And so oftentimes if we go the opposite route and say, hey, I'm going to do these 10 things today. <laughs> I will do all things, happens. which is a very kind of ADHD way of approaching you know, life. Yeah, I want to do all things. So the idea too of, of creating one goal, one of the things to, to sort of um, make this uh, the idea of creating one goal, making it more ADHD friendly is make it ridiculously simple like break down that first step to a, a degree that's so ridiculously small so maybe let's say you you're, you're wanting to write a book and so the goal is to write a chapter maybe that's too overwhelming for you maybe let the goal be to write a sentence right knowing that if you write that first sentence chances are you're going to keep writing or even smaller open up google docs that's your that's your goal Open up Google Docs. Get yourself in that space that is going to make it easier. Because if, you if you're not in front of your computer, it's going to be really hard to write anything. And then the last step I would recommend for people is to build a routine for yourself. So as you are creating your schedule and what your ideal week should look like, eventually you want to get to the point where it kind of has a rhythm to it. You just know like, hey, on Monday, I'm going to do this. On Tuesday, I'm going to do that. And you kind of have a routine of when you're running your errands, when you're doing your creative work, when you have your calls and meetings. Once you kind of have that routine going on, you'll start to see that working from home becomes actually really easy. And this is where I think people get the most joy because now they see the power of flexible schedules. Now they see that they can do the stuff that they want to do at the times that they want to do it. And it takes a while to kind of build that routine. So the faster you can start on this journey, the faster you'll see the benefits of working from home. So if you're struggling right now, don't worry. We've all been there. Right? Create your schedule. Get that work set up all set up. And then from there, start building that routine. Because over time, you'll start to see that it becomes easier and easier and easier. Awesome. So um, we're getting to the end of the hour here. Is there anything else that uh, you would like to share with listeners? Because, you know, it's not often that we have a neurotypical brain that we can kind of pick here on the show. Um, So we have a lot of wisdom that we can uh, 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 really gain here. And I think it's, you know, I just want to reiterate too that around routines that there's this weird paradox in ADHD that, that occurs with routines that it, we, it's like people kind of recoil because it's like, oh, that sounds so monotonous and, and the same all the time. And that's just, you know, we don't necessarily uh, like things that are the same all the time. 
But in so many ways, routine is the holy grail for our brain, because when we can move things away from those executive functions, because um, when we're doing something new all the time, it's taxing our executive functions a lot more, which is going to make it a lot harder to have that sort of self-controlled self-regulation throughout the day. So the more routines you can create in your in your life, the more availability your brain will have to do other things that require executive functioning. Yeah. If, if I have one final thought, it would be that at the beginning of this episode, I talk about how I didn't see my grandparents and I didn't see them for another year or so. And how I started this journey of working from home because I wanted to be able to have time for myself to live my best life. And I think everyone deserves to be happy and live their life to the fullest. It's, it's one of the reasons I started Asian Efficiency was to help people live their life to the fullest potential. And um, one of the things that I always told my grandparents was, hey, you know, I wanted one day to have a real conversation with you in Vietnamese because they're Vietnamese. My parents are Vietnamese. That's my heritage. But my Vietnamese conversational skills is very limited. And I always told myself, you know, one day I'm actually going to learn and learn how to speak the language and speak it fluently so that I can have this really authentic conversation with my grandparents. And I kept postponing learning this and picking up this, this, this language for so many years. And it wasn't until one day when I heard that one of my grandparents passed away, it made me realize, wow, I, I missed this opportunity to speak with them because I kept procrastinating for so long to pick up this language. And I really regret that looking back now, because if I just had picked it up earlier, I would have had this really meaningful conversation with them, showing them how much I really cared about them, how much they cared uh, or how much they meant to me. And I never had that opportunity. And so anytime I see something that's really important to me, instead of just waiting for it or procrastinating on it, I really want to encourage everyone that, you know, you deserve to be happy. You deserve everything that you want in your life. So take action now. Don't wait for the right moments because it might not be there. And so uh, take action today. And whatever we share with you today, if something really resonated with you, Take action on it today so that you know you can get the results that you're looking for in your life. Thank you so much. That was uh, Tan Pham from Asian Efficiency. You can uh, learn more about him at his website at asianefficiency.com. Is there anything else, like, any other contact info you want to um, share with, with listeners? No, that is it. You can go to asianefficiency.com, subscribe to our newsletter there. And if you like listening to a podcast, as if you... <laughs> as if you are doing right now, then you can also check us out on The Productivity Show. That's the name of our podcast. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I think, uh, especially right now, uh, very helpful. Uh, I think we will be, this episode, I think will live on beyond this COVID-19 that we will get through. Because um, yeah, I think this will also probably for a lot of people listening, maybe they will start rethinking how they want to work and show up in life and finding better balance. So uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, what uh, what you're doing and what you're learning uh, with, with listeners. So thanks. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. 
You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. You can apply to our free and secret Facebook community. You can learn more about ADHD Rewired's intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. While you're there, click the Patreon button. If you're a regular listener and you're still listening to my voice, consider making a monthly contribution by becoming a patron through our Patreon page. If you are able to financially support my work, it would mean a lot. This show is free to listeners, but it is not free to produce. And patrons get really cool perks. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tibbers. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ADHD Rewired. If you're a coach, therapist, or related professional, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Eric Tibbers. You can also subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube. And you can subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube and see select interviews and some other videos I've posted. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends and your family and your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. And if you're a coach, therapist, doctor, or ADHD support group leader, and you would like a pack of podcast postcards to hand out, you can request those at my website, ADHDrewired.com. And if you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, please be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. You know, you might be the person that turns somebody on to a podcast for the very first time. And if you really love this episode, please consider hitting share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things that you can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or any other podcast app that accepts ratings and reviews. And don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast on your podcast app so new episodes are automatically pushed to your favorite podcast app. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? In no particular order. Check out Atomic Habits by James Clear, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Kolk, 10% Happier, and Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. These are both by Dan Harris. Change Your Questions and Change Your Life by Marilee G. Adams. The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Do you have trouble asking for help? Listen to The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. It's one of the best produced audiobooks I've ever heard. If you're looking for something a little bit more, say, magical, I unexpectedly fell in love with the Harry Potter series. And I don't usually listen to those kinds of books. And I loved it. And of course, if you haven't yet boarded the Brene Brown bus yet, check out Brene Brown's books, starting with The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, The Power of Vulnerability, and if you're an entrepreneur or a leader in any capacity, check out her 2018 book, Dare to Lead. And Brene still is my most wanted guest. So if you know Brene, you would be so kind to make that connection for me. I would be really, really grateful. You know who else I would like to have on the show? You. Click the podcast tab at ADHDrewired.com. 
and then click the Be a Guest button at the top of that page and schedule a 15-minute pre-interview. This is Eric Tibbers reminding you to keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. Self-care is not selfish, and no matter what gets done or doesn't get done, at the end of the day, you are still enough. And no matter how hard it feels, we can do hard things. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.